Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on Twilight Tonic, I have Dale Cosmeric. He's done some amazing work, folks. He's been in it 45 years or longer. He's written books such as Field Guide to the Haunted Highways and Bridges, Windy City Ghost, Windy City Ghost 2, Illuminating the Darkness, the Mysteries of the Spook Lights, A Field Guide to Spirit Photography, The Field Guide to Ghost Hunting Techniques. Dale has been a guest on the Discovery Channel and the Travel Channel, and he also is the president of Ghost Research Society. Welcome, Dale, to Twilight Tonic. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Dale, 45 years. I have one word. Wow. Yeah, I I started um, way back in 1975. I'll tell you the truth, I've had a long-standing interest pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in the Army from 72 to 74, I was a chaplain's assistant, and uh, I even talked to the chaplains a little bit about ghosts and so forth. And there were some that were more open than others. Some of the younger chaplains were uh, a bit more open. Some of the older, you know, more established chaplains were, you know, more pious, and they mm-hmm. didn't want to talk about that kind of stuff. But in 1975, I just started... Um, kind of exploring around the Chicagoland area, uh, which is where I'm, I'm located. I just, just outside of Chicago in a town mm-hmm. called Oak Lawn. So um, in 1977, we founded what was then called the Ghost Trackers Club, which was uh, just a group of like-minded individuals who had an interest in uh, kind of exploring, examining, investigating, you know, sites, you know, kind of close by in the Chicagoland area, you know, northern Illinois and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked as uh, a research assistant with that group for five years. And then in 1982, um, uh, it was founded by myself and Martin V. Ricardo. Martin V. Ricardo wanted to go in a different direction um, with some other groups that he was forming. So he gave me control of the group at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, we, call, we called it the Ghost Research Society, which is a bit, I guess, more indicative of what we actually do, ghost research and investigations. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, since that time, I, I've traveled all, all over the country, all over the world. I've been to England and Wales uh, on a couple of occasions. And um, uh, I've investigated probably close to little, almost 4,000 cases in uh, 47 years right now. Um, I have a trip I'll be doing next year in Mm -hmm. 2023, which I'll be going back to England uh, with uh, my friend who is actually part of the group, uh, the Ghost Research Society. He's uh, my uh, English correspondent, I guess I call him, Mm -hmm. out there in in a town called Luton, which is just northwest of London. And we're going to be traveling all over the area, including going to Scotland, which I've never been to. Uh, Hopefully get a glimpse of uh, the Loch Ness Monster (laughs) that might be up there. never know if he might pop up. They call him uh, uh, Nessie. Mm -hmm. And um, all different places in London and Neolithic places and Stonehenge and Hadrian's Mm -hmm. Wall and uh, Avery. And I have an interest in a lot of different topics, but uh, uh, my main main thing is ghosts. So... um, um, I just uh, travel the world, travel here, do a lot of public and private investigations, um, not only in this area, but uh, throughout the United States. Right. Wow, traveling. I bet you England is just beautiful. It is. Uh, I've been, I, I, first time I was there was in 85. I actually took mm-hmm. a two-week ghost tour where I was actually uh, 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 chaperoned around, so to speak, mm-hmm. all over um, you know, different places. We actually spent the night in haunted castles and so forth. It was really kind of neat. Um, I was actually, uh, uh, the guide was uh, Tom Parrott, uh, who at that time was the chairman of the Ghost Club of England, a very prestigious organization, mm-hmm. uh, which I later was given an honorary lifetime membership for. Oh, and awesome. I'll be speaking, actually, at the Ghost Club uh, in England when I go there in um uh, next year, it's, it's had such uh, authors and individuals like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. the inventor of Sherlock Holmes, and Harry Price, um, Peter Underwood, Tom Parrott, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. And uh, then in about 1987, I went back there, or 1988, I went back there again, and I took a week of leisure in London to really explore some places. So we went around the Jack the Ripper sites, Mm-hmm. And also the um, Highgate Cemetery, which is supposedly known for the Highgate Vampire, among mm. other things. And um, then I took a week of leisure uh, in England, uh, south and west country, actually, to mm-hmm. explore a whole bunch of places in Cornwall and Devon and Essex and uh, uh, Stonehenge and other places. It was really neat. Oh, gosh. It sounds amazing. That's one of my goals, to go to the British Isles in the next couple of years. It just sounds amazing. Out of all the investigations, Dale, that you have done, what, if any, stick out the most in your mind? Well, there's a few, actually, uh, that we, we've been to several times because we've, we've collected an amazing amount of evidence. Uh, uh, I use some of, the, uh, some of the high-tech equipment that there is in the, in the market right now. There's a little more than $16,000 worth of ghost hunting gear that I have. Mm-hmm. that I've uh, collected over the years, and some of it is very, very technical. But um, we have been to a couple places um, that we seem to get very consistent evidence for. One of them is uh, Old South Pittsburgh Hospital in Pittsburgh, Tennessee, uh, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, actually. And it's an old abandoned hospital, which is actually kept up really well. 
and they actually allow paranormal investigations in there. So the first couple of years we went in that um, building, uh, they allowed you, uh, we actually stayed for two nights, so they actually allow you to sleep in the hospital, actually in the uh, patient's beds um, in some of the wards. And then that's really kind of neat because you're right there if anything right. happens. Um, and we got a lot of really uh, just amazing evidence that uh, I've actually put up on my website, which is uh, ghostresearch.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the title, GRS Investigations, uh, people can actually go there and uh, pull up just some of the places that we've been to. You can actually read the reports, uh, the history of the location, the hauntings, and uh, our personal experiences. And then at the very end of each report is uh, the evidence we have collected, which is all little uh, links that sent you to a YouTube page where you can either hear or see uh, pictures, video, or audio of places, uh, things we picked up there. And we did pick up quite a number of things every single time we were there. We've actually had a, we were sitting on the floor in the second hallway, uh, second floor hallway, when suddenly uh, this very heavy steel door, which was being held by several um, doorstops, began to push against doorstops and actually you know, bumped against one of the investigators. I mean, they didn't know until actually it hit them because we're sitting basically in pitch darkness. Right. Uh, that was pretty creepy. Um, We've actually gotten some really amazing uh, images. Uh, there's a room in there that a, uh, a woman uh, had been in for a long period of time, and when she died, um, they'd left all her personal belongings in the room, and some of them are still there to this very day. Wow. Uh, it's, it's what we would call like a trigger object. Mm-hmm. So we were doing some investigating and walking through. We had an amazing image of of a semi-transparent figure of a woman uh, in an old-style dress. Uh, you could actually see through her. Uh, was in the uh, left-hand uh, side of the frame of the picture. Um, there were others of shadow images that we caught um, in the hallways and uh, a lot of uh, audio stuff. Uh, we were actually doing a, kind of like a recreation of an operation. We found one of the old operating rooms. They had an operating table there. We kind of put somebody down on the operating table. One of the uh, people in my group was actually an RN, a registered nurse, and she was actually dressed in her scrubs. Uh, so we were making off uh, that we were doing an operation, and we were telling this person, we're going to knock you out. We're going to give you some anesthesia, so count backwards from 10. But stop when you get to 5 because you'll be passed out. So he goes... 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. And then when we play back the tape, we hear somebody continuing to count down. And it's not any of us. We hear 4, 3, 2. <laughs> and then you hear monitors in the background, like heart monitors going, and there's no electricity in that part of the building, and there are no monitors in the building. So mm-hmm. we had something up, um, just kind of what we call role-playing, to try to you know, elicit a response from somebody who might be there. And we had, we had heard uh, disembodied voices. Um, we were standing over by the nurse's station, which is right by an elevator, which does not work. It's locked down on the, on the main floor. And uh, we were talking. And all of a sudden, you hear the elevator go, ding, you know, like it hits the bottom floor. And we mm-hmm. all turn to the elevator and go, oh, the elevator doesn't work. 
so we got a lot of creepy stuff there throughout the town. We we actually had heard uh, somebody calling on the loudspeaker because hospitals have you know like they'll say mm-hmm. code blue to, to room so and so. Somebody's having a you know a problem. They need to bring a crash cart. Right. Mm-hmm. And you hear something come through the speakers. None of us seem to have heard it at the time. So I, I think it was a true EVP and not a disembodied voice. There's a difference. A disembodied voice is something you would hear at the time it's, it's, it's being produced. But an EVP is something that you wouldn't hear only on playback. And we played it back, and we're walking, going into this room, and this, something comes through this loudspeaker, and nobody seems to react to it at all. So it had to be a true EVP. Right. We heard screaming down the hallway that we audibly heard screaming of women because we were right next to Cleveland, not the maternity ward. So there may have been somebody maybe giving birth, which is very painful. Can be, people can be screaming. Right. And um, so we came back a year later and we were sitting in the same room and we asked the question. We were using something called the ghost box, which allows you to scan AMF and frequencies very fast, and what you're looking for are voices coming through in between the stations and the white noise. So we asked the question, we were here last year, who was that woman who was screaming? Mm-hmm. And immediately a voice comes through and says, probably was Florence. Oh, wow. And these, these recordings people can hear if they go to the website at ghostresearch.org. There's about three, I believe, three investigations that we did. Uh, at Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. So consistently, almost every year, we got something, and it got better and better as we, as the, I guess, as the spirits became more accustomed to what's being there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. I, that gives me kind of chills to think you could hear all that, just like you were. The hospital came alive. Absolutely, uh, we use what's called um, real-time devices. So, in other words, now. Uh, in days gone by, you know, when people were doing an EVP session, they would take a digital recorder, or in some cases even a cassette recorder, before digital came out, and they would ask a question, and then you leave like maybe 15, 20 seconds of, you know, blank noise where nobody's talking. Mm-hmm. You ask another question. So in between, after you ask the question and you ask the next question, that 20 seconds gives the spirits of time to respond. So you play it back later, and you hear, you know, if you got a response to your questions. Now, that's old-fashioned way. What we do today, we have devices like ghost boxes, obelisks, mm-hmm. uh, mini portals, um, you know, um, paratech apps, phasma box apps, that when you ask the question in real time, you will hear sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you will actually hear the response. Um, we had a couple of really good examples of that. Um, one time we were using the Phasma box at a, at a cemetery um, in Goshen, Indiana, that really had no markers at all. It just had the sign. Mm-hmm. It said, I'm a cemetery. So we asked a question, how many people are buried in the cemetery? And there was a short pause, and a voice comes through, a female voice that says very clearly, more than 100 and everybody that was there immediately said, did you hear that? They said, more than 100. It was so clear. Wow. There was another opportunity. We were in a place called the Algin Casket Factory, which obviously used to make caskets at one time. 
sometimes around Halloween, they dress it up to you know, kind of scare people. So we were in there doing a serious investigation, and they have everything kind of dressed up for Halloween. They have mm-hmm. this, this, this fake fuse box that's not connected to anything at all. It's, it's just a fake fuse box. And uh, we were using a device called a, um, a structured light sensor, which actually produces an invisible field of dots and if something interrupts those dots, it will show up as a stick figure, so we'll know there's something there even though we can't see it. We had that device on, and the person who was using it, Ron, said, I see a, a stick figure kind of holding on and touching that fuse box. So I said, okay, if you're touching that fuse box, can you turn one of those switches on? It was a short pause, and the voice comes through and says, it doesn't work. Oh, <laughs> Which is true. It's not connected to anything. So these are the kind of response. I mean, these are full sentences coming through in real time that Mm -hmm. make perfect sense to where we were at and what we were doing. Um, So so, it's an intelligent haunting. Exactly. An intelligent haunt because it's actually responding. Not so much uh, the flip side of the coin where you have a residual. Not a residual. You might get, um, uh, you know, you might hear something like footsteps going up and down the stairs. You might hear doors opening and closing. You might, uh, um, in some cases, they might um, a word or a sentence might come through, but it's not responding to 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 your 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 question. It's it's just kind of responding or putting forth information that's relevant to them because something um, the idea that spirits sometimes uh, that are uh, appearing to people appear because they died an untimely death, something right. sudden, something violent. So they might be reliving their last moments on earth, talking or relating something that was relevant to them just before they died. Wow. So my next question to you is, do you ever take pictures of them? Yeah, absolutely. There was a, um, um, I actually wrote a book called uh, Field Guide to Spirit Photography, and it's it's actually a kind of a dated book, unfortunately. I may have to come up with a volume two because a lot of what's in there substantially is is, is basically about you know film camera, mm-hmm. 35 millimeter, and so forth, and most people today use digital cameras. So, um, um, But we take all different types of cameras along with us, not just... 35 millimeters. Sometimes we'll take Polaroid cameras. We'll use digital cameras. Uh, we actually have what's called a full spectrum camera that actually records uh, into the infrared and into the ultraviolet. It's a full spectrum. And sometimes you'll get really weird images on there. Uh, we use the structured light sensor as a camera as well because you can snap pictures of that. We use FLIR cameras, which is forward looking infrared. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's a heat signature, uh, or a cold signature, not usually in cases of spirits, it would be a cold signature. If, if right. it's something of a heat signature, it's usually something living, uh, us or maybe an animal or something that's in the wall or something like that in an old building. But um, uh, sometimes we will get very interesting images. Um, my website actually has a, um, a whole section on spirit photography, including um, pictures that we believe to be very authentic examples of spirit photographs, uh, full-bodied apparitions, uh, mists, fogs, and so forth. And on the flip side, we have um, images 
that have perfectly natural explanations, double exposures, uh, orbs, um, you know, uh, you know, light reflections, flash glares, camera straps, things of this nature that can be easily explained. Now, I'm not a an expert uh, in, in, in uh, photography, nor am I an expert in, in the field because I don't mm-hmm. believe there are any true experts. I think what I always like to say, uh, I think people that have been into it, they have a little bit more whiskers, so to speak, because right. they've been into the business a bit longer. But we always take photographs. Uh, we always take video. Uh, so sometimes we'll get uh, still images on the you know, the video we shoot, and sometimes we can even get EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, mm-hmm. on the audio track of videotape. So we use everything we possibly can uh, during investigations. We set up a lot of uh, interesting um, uh, equipment like EMF meters, um, temperature, uh, um, things that pick up temperature uh, variants, mm-hmm. um, negative ion detectors. We have a Geiger counter. We have all different types wow. of devices. Um, to see what we can pick up, usually spirits uh, that are around us. Um, you know, everybody has an energy in their body. And uh, when you die, what happens to that energy? Well, Einstein said energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It mm-hmm. just changes its form. So the energies that are measurable in the human body when somebody dies, if, if it doesn't just go to, say, you know, the other side, heaven, or whatever you want to call it, if it sticks around here for a little bit, it can actually cause slight deviations in the background electromagnetic fields that are all around us. Mm-hmm. And these devices we use will pick up that slight deviation. So we, we might have an idea that there's something close by uh, one of these devices. Now, we're not looking for a device that, you know, if this meter goes up like from 1 to 10, it's going to sit on 3 the whole time. It's a mm-hmm. static field. That's probably something in the environment. What we're looking for is if the device is sitting on the table and it suddenly goes from 1 to 10 and it goes back to 1, that's interesting because that's a moving electromagnetic field. That something came past the meter, walked past the meter, set it off, and it went back to zero. Mm-hmm. Those are more interesting than, the, than what I call static fields. Do you find, after all these years, that they actually want to communicate with us are the living or do they know do you feel like they know that they've passed on i believe that a lot of them don't realize that they have passed on and that's why they're still they're stuck stuck wherever they're at mm-hmm. uh, it can be because of an untimely death a murder a suicide a car crash a train wreck a plane crash um, a drive-by shooting a drowning something that was accidental that wasn't supposed to happen you know to that person when they did, it was an accident. Right. Um, so, it's those those people that die very suddenly, like like that, like you're here one moment, the next moment you're gone. Uh, don't realize that they, realize that they have passed on. Mm-hmm. And a very good example of that is the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi yeah. Moore. I love that movie. Uh, if you remember that there was somebody coming up that wanted to steal his wallet, the struggle ensued. Apparently, he got stabbed. He chased a figure down the street. He thought he did. He came back as a spirit and saw his his uh, fiance holding his dead body. Right. Because it was just that quickly, he didn't realize that he had died, 
And there are many other examples of, of um, you know, Bruce Willis in the movie Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Elders with Nicole Kidman, White Noise, Shudder. A lot of these movies that have been coming out here in recent years actually employ uh, paranormal investigators or, ex- or so-called experts in the field uh, to make sure they get the, the, the movie scientifically correct. And um, that's why I believe a lot of spirits, um, they find themselves in a situation they don't understand. Right. Uh, they can't truly try to, com- they try to communicate, they try to reach up, but in some cases they can't. And it's only when you know, teams like ourselves or other teams go in um, that they're given the opportunity, you know, using the devices we use to communicate with us. Or in other cases, when people, um, you know, they die in homes, you know, from an overdose or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, people in the home uh, might feel, see, sense, or hear um, spirits in their home because it's not that the and this is where the term, which I really kind of hate, a ghost haunts a house. It really doesn't do that. I mean, it's there because it's trying to get a message across. It's trying to let the people know, the living people, uh, that there is somebody else there that maybe they can't see. So they don't do it to frighten people. They do it to try to open up a communication, a path of uh, uh, talking, if you will, to say, here, here I am, you mm-hmm. know, and that's exactly what I believe. So that's why spirits are very, sometimes very, very eager to talk about their situations in some cases. And, um, you know, I'm not a Dan Aykroyd or a Bill Murray. I'm not a ghost buster or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, we've investigated a lot of private homes and we don't do anything. We don't try to move the spirit on. We don't use sage or smudging or blessings or exorcisms or any spooky mumble jumble, we just go in and try to let the spirits get whatever's off their chest, off their chest, and and maybe that's enough for them to move on. Uh, And then after that, sometimes people will call me back and say, well, great, whatever you did is great. I don't have any more problems. I said, well, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. We just came in there, allowed the spirit to talk and to... um, to get a message across, and sometimes that's all it is, right. and then they move on. Oh, they just want to be heard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an attachment? No, I've never had an attachment. However, I will say that I have actually uh, came in contact with um, inanimate objects that had an attachment to them. Um, there was a house we were investigating out in Bartlett, uh, Illinois, um, a private home that was literally filled floor to ceiling with antiques. This woman loved the antiques and she mm-hmm. did a lot of antique shopping. So they had a lot of strange things going on, um, including one night she kind of got up and she thought she saw her son, who was only two or three, sleepwalking towards the stairs. And she ran over, thought he was going to fall down the stairs, and there's nobody there. Goes in the child's room and she's sound asleep. So uh, that was the thing that really got her scared. So she called us in. We, we went in there. We did a lot of investigating. Uh, we found that there are certain sections of the building that had higher than normal electromagnetic fields. And there was this one area in this hallway that had a bunch of these angel cherubs. Mm-hmm. I just kind of told her, I said, well, I think maybe there may be some sort of attachment or 
maybe attachment's not a good word, maybe a, more of a place memory that something here holds great sentimental value to some spirit that has passed on. And there's, they're still attached to that in a, in a, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. So um, later on, she, um, she called me up and she says, I'm really sure that these two angel cherubs are the ones that are giving me the issues. Mm-hmm. I'm either going to throw them away or can I send them to you? I said, well, I had to think about that for a second because I wasn't sure if my wife was going to appreciate that too much. <laughs> but eventually she sent them to me and I kept them in a box. And uh, initially, I had put the box um, on the front porch, mm-hmm. and I was sitting in, the, in my lazy boy watching, you know, TV. And all of a sudden, I hear a rap on the window. Now, this is an inside window, not an outside oh. window. I thought that maybe something fell on the front porch. Right. I went over there, nothing had fell. Uh, I was working the night shift, and my wife said that she was down in the basement doing laundry, and she heard somebody walking around upstairs. And she called up and she said, Dale, is that you? And she never got an answer. Walked upstairs. I was still at work. When I got home, the first thing out of her mouth is, get rid of those damn angel cherub. <laughs> I don't blame so, her. I don't blame her. <laughs> so, so I put them upstairs for a while um, in, in a room we weren't using, and we were hearing noises upstairs, people walking around. Mm-hmm. We had a dog that would suddenly just stare up those stairs, and we would say, Sandy, Sandy. And she, she, her eyes were fixated. I had to shake her to break her concentration. She was seeing mm-hmm. something. Animals are very sensitive to that. Oh, yeah. Well, finally, I, I put them out in the garage, and, you know, we had no issues. But, I mean, it's nothing, you know, nothing negative, mm-hmm. nothing really scary. It's just that something was attached to those cherubs. And wherever we put that box is where, you know, that the, the disturbances were going to take place. So I've never been attached, uh, had anything attached. I've had things follow me home mm-hmm. uh, for investigations. My wife actually saw what she believed to be a young girl upstairs um, in her maybe three to five, six years old, somewhere in that, probably maybe six or seven actually, uh, kind of looking down on her when she was taking a nap upstairs. And she jumped up, turned the light on, there was nothing there. And we had just finished investigating actually a cemetery where there was a report of a young girl that was seen in the cemetery. So apparently something had followed me home. Uh, and because my wife is kind of a mo- motherly figure, maybe mm-hmm. it decided to appear to her. I wish it would have appeared to me. I would have loved to have seen it. My wife didn't appreciate that too much. But there have been a couple of times like that, but nothing, nothing serious, just something um, that uh, you know, was curious because mm-hmm. we were talking to them. Uh, when we were at the cemetery and uh, decided, oh, that's a nice thing. Maybe I'll follow these people home. They'll talk to me some more. Sure. And then eventually they just, you know, after one day, never had any more issues. Wow. That's amazing. And I think I find that really wonderful that the child went straight toward the mother figure in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Straight to the wife, the one that probably cooks and and takes care of things instantly new. I think that's amazing. Yes, yeah. Now, have you ever had trouble with anything of the negative nature? No, not not actually at all. Um, part of the reason is that um, when people call me uh, in private homes, private businesses, mm-hmm. that they don't want their their ghost, you know, uh, publicized or anything, they will. Uh, uh, I interview them very, very carefully over the phone. Um, you know, I let them tell their story in their own words, 
and then I later on I will ask questions and try to get some answers to um, what I believe might be going on. And we have a you know, about a four uh, five page uh, questionnaire that I go through um, that goes into the history of the building, uh, the history of the individuals. Uh, you know, if it's is, is it, what what is the building made of? Is it near running water? Is, is there limestone nearby? Um, has there been any, any reports of people playing with Ouija boards, seances, automatic writing, devil worship, witchcraft, you know, voodoo, anything like that? Mm-hmm. Anything that might attract some negativity. And you know, if I get, you know, if I feel that there is a chance just by what they're telling me, and I've been I've been doing this so often that I can kind of get a real feel just over the phone. And I'm not a real psychic person, by the way, okay. but uh, I can get a feel just by asking the questions and getting the answers I get whether or not there is something that we should be concerned with. Now, obviously, I'm not a demonologist. I'm not an exorcist. Mm-hmm. I, would not, I will not get involved with anything like that because it can be dangerous. Sure, absolutely. So if there's any inkling of something that might be uh, you know, negative, I, I, I would normally refuse the case, but I would try to get them the help they need, either by you know, telling them to reach out to the clergy, which would be my first thing to tell them to do, um, and if that doesn't work, then I, I know people who are into demonology, uh, and that can, um, in some cases, um, you know, move, move these spirits on or, or find out why they're there. Now, they're not always demons, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a very, very low, low possibility. Um, but they could just be people that have died that were just angry people while right. they were alive. Uh, if you were an angry, evil kind of person while you were alive, um there's a very good chance your spirit's going to be a kind of an evil, uh, uh, Ill, ill-mannered disposition when you when you pass. So it's not always that it's a demon, it's something diabolical. It's, it's a spirit that never walked the, the earth in human form, which is a true what definition of what a demon would be. It could just be a person that's very negative. But people in the environment that are near where the spirit is can very literally... Um, pick up that those vibrations of negativity given off by that uh, that very negative person. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, it's not so much of uh, going in there and um, you know, calling in somebody to do an exorcism because you're not exercising a, 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 a you know, demon. Uh, you would just go in there, you might say prayers, you might you know, try to bring in somebody who's a, a, a gifted clairvoyant uh, or or a medium to actually make contact uh, with that person and just basically kind of gently show them the way to the other side. Right. Um, and and I've worked with psychics in the past that have that were able to do that. I worked with psychics who worked with uh, police department on missing persons cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're very very well known. Uh, they they. And the, and the great thing, and I knew one reason I knew they were legit, is that they never asked for any publicity. They mm, only yeah. used their first name. They didn't have a website. They didn't do psychic readings. They were just there to help people. And um, I worked with two very good psychics, Pat Schenberg, who was the, the past president of the Illinois Society for Psychic Research, and uh, Trudy. I'll just give her first name, uh, but Trudy, who was actually the one, one that worked with missing persons, including the Atlanta child murders case, mm-hmm. uh, Anna, uh, and here in Illinois, the 
Melissa Ackerman and Janine Nicarico murder cases. Um, and we were actually called in, you know, by the state fire marshals to do, to give us their, our opinion of what was going on in a house in Orland Hills, Illinois, which was really uh, something. We were never officially called in, mm-hmm. but um, uh, we were actually brought into a room. The shades were drawn. Door was locked. Oh my! And here we're standing, <laughs> sitting in a room mm. with state fire marshals, the chief of police, uh, fire chief, two arson experts. Uh, we had probably close to a hundred years of experience sitting in front of us, and they couldn't figure out what was going on in this home. Oh, so wow. we gave us, we gave our opinion of what we thought it was. We thought it was a poltergeist. We thought it was the the young girl who at that time was thirteen years old was manifesting these, uh, these, these movements of objects, the, uh, the sulfur smell, the, the, the burning of, uh, and melting of, of electrical cords that were uh, plugged into the wall, uh, shooting flames out of the electrical outlets that actually set a mattress on fire in front of two state fire marshals when oh the electricity to the building was shut off. Um, really, really strange phenomenon. And, um, uh, we were unfortunately never called in officially because this is how they said it. They, they told us like this. Well, how do we go back to the family now and tell them that we exhausted all our natural explanations and we had to call in the Ghostbusters? Uh. <laughs> and that's where it basically stopped. The, the crazy part is when we were in this room, um, there were about 16 calls. Mm-hmm. From in the past, um, you know, eight months or so of strange things going on, the fire department had to go and investigate. When we were actually talking with them, another call came in, and the fire chief says, would you like to go in my car over there? I said, well, yeah, <laughs> of <Okay>. course. <laughs> but he said, once you get there, I can't bring you in to the house because we're not officially allowed to do that yet. So we just kind of mingled with the people outside, People had been seeing you know, these squads and these fire trucks and ambulances pull up to the house and on a fairly regular basis. Um, I saw a couple of people pointing to the house. They were maybe in their 20s or 30s, and they said, that house is haunted, just haunted. And uh, we were never called in. They eventually tore the house down. Um, Travelers Insurance Group gave them a settlement, and they moved elsewhere. Wow. Um, a new house is built. Apparently, nothing's been going on ever since. Now, even after things were going on there for a while, the girl had went to the grandmother's house just to get away from this all. Mm-hmm. Grandmother's house, things started happening at the grandmother's house, movements of objects, levitations. So right away, that's a good indication that it's a poltergeist, which is a, a German word for, for a noisy ghost or a noisy spirit. It's a psychokinetic activity, PK, of a... Adolescent, usually going through puberty, that has a lot of pent-up emotions within themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of charging up a battery to the point you right. overcharge it, and suddenly all this phenomenon comes out. It's like a, a mental temper tantrum. So instead of picking up something and throwing it across the room, you might just be so angry or so pent-up with emotions that things just start flying around the room unconsciously or subconsciously, just like the movie uh, Carrie. Mm-hmm. It's just basic. Yeah. Um, happened to her. She didn't know what was going on. She researched it and found out it was her. It was her doing this stuff. So 
Um, that is something, it's another side of parapsychology. It's the, um, it's what most parapsychology is actually about. You know, the human agents, you know, telepathy, precognition, mm-hmm. ESP, poltergeist, uh, remote viewing, uh, you know, things of that nature that are from within inside of a living person. And then a small portion of parapsychology is ghosts, hauntings, and discarnate spirits. Mm. Wow, I could listen to you like all day. That is, that's amazing. Your knowledge is amazing. It's it's, it's just a lot of, 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 a lot of research that I've done. Um, I I basically self-taught myself. When I was uh, coming up through the ranks, so to speak, uh, I did attend a lot of uh, different conferences. I heard a lot of people talk. My library is a huge library that I have down here in uh, that has now actually expanded into two of the downstairs rooms, uh, and I've run out of room even with those two rooms. A lot of reference material, a lot of books, a lot of different um, uh, people that I've talked to, people I've worked with. I, net- I network with a bunch of other groups as well. Uh, we, we travel on an average, uh, you know, 30 or 40 investigations a year, and that's basically just in the summer months. So that's putting a lot together in a very short amount of time. Right. Um, but it's just, uh, I guess, an accumulative amount of, uh, uh, information and research that I've done that, um, again, doesn't make me an expert, but I mean, I've, I've, I have a really good understanding and I think I'm uniquely qualified, uh, you know, to, to, to do talks and presentations. In fact, I'm in the process right now putting together an online course on ghost hunting, uh, it'll be like an uh, eventually an eight-week course. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can take the entire eight-week course, or they can take any portion of it. There, there are sections on EVP, spirit communication, spirit photography, working with equipment, you know, uh, and different avenues like that that people can just take those if they just want to. They don't want to take the entire eight-week course, but if you take the entire eight-week right. course, you get a certificate of completion, which is always nice to have that you went through and you did the entire course, which is uh, pretty, pretty intensive going all the way back to the very early pioneers, uh, how to write up reports, how to uh, examine evidence, how to, uh, um, you know, discern whether or not what you, what you just got involved with is actually a haunting mm-hmm. or poltergeist. It's a something else. Right. Now, Dale, you also have an event coming up, don't you? Yes, I sure do. Um, it's on October 16, 2022, uh, called the Midwest Spirit Fest. And it's actually going to be in, uh, in a haunted establishment. Ooh. It's called the Thornton Distillery. It's, on, um, it's in Thornton, Illinois, 400 East Market Street. It's going to be from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. We've got about 10, 11 speakers that are going to be talking throughout the day. We're going to have raffles. Vendors, there's going to be psychics there doing readings mm-hmm. from everything from uh, spoon bending to sand mm-hmm. reading, uh, tea leaf, tarot cards, palm reading. Um, there's going to be uh, half hour mini investigations mm-hmm. of the haunted underground artesian well, mm-hmm. which is under, underneath the building, which is extremely haunted. We've gotten some amazing evidence out of there. It's running water and it's, it's lined with limestone. Oh, my. Main factors that often, um, you know, c- 
contribute uh, to um, spirit communication and, and spirit uh, uh, discernment, I guess you would call Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but we got this entire building. Uh, so the building actually is haunted as well. There's been reports of uh, uh, people have been, that have actually been seen on closed-circuit televisions uh, sitting by the bar before the place is actually opened. Uh, the waitress goes up from the back room after seeing somebody sitting by the bar, gets up there within 10 seconds, nobody's there, the doors are locked. Um, there have been shadow figures that have been seen uh, upstairs that used to have a pool table in there, standing by the pool table, seen by two people, by the way, uh, the owners um, uh, and the owner's son. And uh, as they walked towards this thing, whatever it was, it just disintegrated. It was gone. That's incredible. Um, so wow. a lot of strange things that have happened in the building. Um, it's going to be a great, uh, great event. This is the uh, um, first time we're doing something here, actually. So we hope it goes uh, over very well. Uh, people that are interested in tickets, uh, they can actually go to my website, ghostresearch.org, and there's a banner on the bottom of the main page. You can also find it on Facebook. Or if you go to Eventbrite, we are selling advanced tickets at Eventbrite. So if you go to Eventbrite, just type in Midwest Spirit Fest. It'll pop right up. Um, last month, they were $10. Uh, this month, they're $15. Right. Uh, they go up a little bit, but we're trying to get advanced ticket sales so people can come in and get it at a relatively inexpensive price. Wow, that's it's an all-day event, and I think it's well worth fifteen dollars to see. Just just listen to all the people that are going to be talking. Absolutely, absolutely, and I will make sure that it is in the notes on my podcast as well, and I'll put it on my Facebook page and my Instagram page. Great, you. thank you. Appreciate that. I, I think it sounds awesome. And you also are going to be a guest September six on a very well-known show. Yeah, it's a Robin Connell show. Awesome. Um, basically, he uh, interviews people literally every day. Yeah, he does. Uh, and he's from uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, he's a great guy. I've been on his show about uh, three other times. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be doing, um, um, I don't know what we're going to talk about yet, just whatever <laughs> comes to mind, I guess. But uh, he's a great interviewer. He's uh, uh, very into the paranormal as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be 11 uh, p.m. Central Standard Time, um, uh, uh, obviously uh, 12 o'clock Eastern Time uh, and uh, Ontario uh, time as well. But uh, uh, we'll be going on for at least an hour or so uh, mm -hmm. talking about a variety of topics. And um, I have a couple of other events that I'll be going to. Uh, I'm going to be uh, ha I'm going to be a vendor uh, at the. Um, uh, Central Illinois Con is called uh, oh. Spilcon, yeah. uh, Mantoon, uh, Illinois, on uh, September 9th and 10th, um, down in Mantoon, Illinois. It's a free event. Anybody can just come in there. It's going to be inside of a uh, shopping mall the, uh, um, in Mantoon, and okay. uh, they can find information on Facebook. I'll be there, and there'll be uh, free talks, uh, vendors throughout the uh, inside of the uh, shopping center. Interesting. Uh, would be pretty cool. Yeah. And then October, I'm excuse me, uh, September uh, uh, 22nd and 23rd, I'll be at Post Town Elementary School, uh, which is in uh, 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 Ohio, Post yep. Town, Ohio. And 
they have uh, what's called a non-con seven. Yes, you'll love it. Yeah, I'm going to be there as a vendor uh, both days. So mm-hmm. I got a few other things going on. Besides that, I got uh, a, a presentation I'll be doing on uh, uh, November the 5th called the um, Afterlife Conference in DeKalb. Mm-hmm. Um, I also um, have a, uh, um, a free library lecture that I'll be having on uh, October 27th mm-hmm. at the Park Library. Um, talking at 7 p.m. talking about the haunted Midwest. Okay, awesome. So, Gosh, very Dan. very busy guy. <laughs> you are. I was about to say you are very busy. So I, I'm very happy that you are because you are a wealth of knowledge. I'm, I I'm I am actually just I could listen to you all night. <laughs> it's just well, amazing, it. and yeah, all those events. Wow. You're going to love the one in Ohio. Um, I was there yeah, we last year. We actually investigated that building a, a few years ago, mm-hmm. actually, uh, Post Town Elementary School. Yeah. We actually did a private investigation there. So uh, uh, we got some uh, interesting evidence. Uh, there's a, uh, a room called the Mean, the mean Teacher's Room yep. mm-hmm. uh, where we got some uh, evidence. We, uh, we had a, one of our members uh, had been with the group for, for a number of years, a man named Dave Gus. Mm-hmm. had recently passed, and uh, we were in um, one of the rooms when we were using a ghost box, and I could swear that his voice came through the ghost box because it sounded just like him. And I said, Dave, is that you? And I said, if it's you, you're more than welcome to come along and investigate with us anytime mm-hmm. you want because maybe uh, since you're on the other side, maybe you can f- uh, facilitate you know, people on the other side to talk with us and, and you know, you know, point them our way so we can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he only said a couple words there, but uh, we also picked up what we believed was his voice again at the Owen County Poor Farm in uh, Indiana when we were out there. And it was heard by several people. Uh, and I didn't even say anything until I, I knew what I heard. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, two other people said, that's Dave's voice. I said, yes, sure, sure sounded like that to me. So, yeah, sometimes it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, the very famous parapsychologist, E. Scott Rogo, mm-hmm. um, said that um, he was very into, a, uh, into what they call phone calls from the dead and spirit communication. Yeah. He said that he really believed that there was going to be a, somewhere down the line, there's going to be somebody that's going to invent something uh, that can hold conversations with spirits on the other side. And it's not just going to be, you know, that somebody here on, on the living actually helps develop that. But he believes that people are going to get help from the other side on how, how to build this by letting, you know, the living know basically how to build these devices. That's what he really truly believed that. And so did Einstein, actually, too. Yes, absolutely. That, uh, and Thomas Edison as well. Uh, these are people that were... Uh, not uh, f- frivolous pert people. They were very, very well uh, respected and, yeah. and, and geniuses in their own right. Well, and then you hear, I've actually heard stories of people receiving phone calls from the other side as well. Yeah, the, 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 the whole premise of that I- idea is that people would get a call uh, from somebody who they thought was still alive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would be really crackly and staticky on the phone, a lot of interference. 
and they would they would be able to hear over the interference uh, the person's voice, and they say, "Oh, that's so and so," and uh, all of a sudden it would go, you know, it would just hang up, and then later on they might get a call, maybe an hour or so later or whatever, uh, that um, that person died, and mm-hmm. that person had died at the time the phone call was coming in. Uh, so that was pretty amazing. Other times, uh, according to the book, people would uh, get a phone call from a person they knew was already dead. And once they recognized who that voice was and they called out to that, then the phone would go dead. Wow. And uh, it only happened on uh, the, the old modular phones. It, it never happened on uh, digital until we actually investigated a case where a woman actually had picked up a a conversation with her deceased boyfriend who was killed in a motorcycle accident on a, on a cell phone. She was actually coming home one day. She, she was a waitress and she was coming home one day. She'd come home the same way every day. And it happened to be, the same route her boyfriend was traveling late one night when he lost control of his motorcycle and was killed by this bridge, this little overpass here. And as she approached that, uh, she started to get, she was talking to somebody on the phone and all of a sudden there was an interference and her, her, she recognized her boyfriend on the other side of the, uh, uh, you know, kind of talking over the other person. And it, Went on for maybe ten or fifteen seconds until she got a little bit, little bit past the bridge, and then it stopped. Wow! So we actually went out there. Um, me and another group went out there to investigate this, and we had set up cameras inside the car, tape recorders, and uh, she did the same thing that she did when she was traveling that one night. She called the same person, which was her girlfriend. So she called started to talk and we went back and forth a couple times and nothing ever happened. So, um, you know, I thought maybe that there might've been some interference. Mm-hmm. There might've been, um, if you remember way back when, um, when they used to have party lines where people would actually mm-hmm. share a common phone number, you would pick up the phone and you could actually eavesdrop on somebody else's conversation. I thought there might've been something with, the uh, the transmitters or the, uh, the cell phone towers that might have actually picked up somebody else's voice that sounded similar that came through. But we tried over and over again that night at, the, at about, about the same time that this took place, mm-hmm. and we were able to get a response. So we did try to experiment with that, and that was the first time I had ever heard of anybody's voice coming through, supposedly of a deceased person, on a cell phone. I've heard about it you know, on old dial and rotary phones right. uh, because there was there was a book written by D. Scott Rogel that was a very, very concise and uh, very compelling book. Wow. Gosh, Dale, like I said, I could just hear you all night, but how do people get a hold of you? Well, people can hold me in a variety of ways. They can go, they can go to my website, uh, www.ghostresearch.org, ghostresearch.org. Uh, or they can find me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I have several Facebook pages. I have just a my 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 timeline, which is under my name, Dale Kazmarek. Uh, it's K A C Z M A R E K. 
or that have a Ghost Research Society page set up there. I also have one for the Midwest Spirit Fest, also one for ghost tours I do in the city of Chicago called Excursions into the Unknown, the longest-running ghost tours in Chicago, started back in 1982. Uh, And I also have one for my books called the Ghost Research Society Press page. So there's a number of ways you can contact me, but probably the easiest is just to search for my name on Facebook or go to my website, uh, there's actually an email that you can contact me, and the email is very simple. It's simply dale at ghostresearch.org. Dale, I want to thank you, and also to let everyone know you can also get his books on Amazon. Absolutely. And Dale, it's been an amazing evening for me, and I want to thank you so much for coming on Twilight Tonic. It's been an honor. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. And maybe you can come back again sometime. Absolutely. I would love to have you. You have a fantastic, phenomenal evening. And thank your wife for letting me take the time to interview you. Not a problem. All right. Good night, Dale. Good night. Bye-bye.